Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Joining me today after a two-week break in California and looking very tanned indeed is our football editor Chris Ownton. Hi Chris. Hi Stu. Nice to be back. Yeah, very good. Always <laughs> pleased to see your uh, happy smiling face on a Monday. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our football writers Baron Cross and Jack Ball. Hi guys. Good morning. Good morning Stu. Uh, last week, we had a very engaging and interesting podcast with our gold chairman, James Brent. If you haven't listened to it yet, I urge you to do so. He addresses a plethora of interesting issues uh, and answered a lot of the questions that you sent in. Jack, you were with me to do the podcast last week. What was of particular interest to you from uh, from the Argyle chairman? Well, I think what stood out to me at first is he was very happy to answer every single question. You know, we, we always like to check that people are happy with what gets sent in when we open it to fans, but he didn't have any problem answering any question, even some of the... Uh, the sillier questions. Yeah. Um, the safe standing obviously stands out. That was um, that was something of interest. And one of the one of the questions was about why you know take over Brentford because it suited his name. A very random question, but he ended up telling us that he was approached by two other clubs before buying Argyle. So just the fact that answers can come out of things that you're not expecting, and mm. he was very open and happy to happy to chat and very engaging. Yeah, it's it's, it's worth pointing out that we did put pretty much every single question to James, didn't we? We yeah, had a, a yeah. massive interest last week and. There wasn't one question that James was unhappy with. Uh, you touched on safe standing there. Um, I thought that was a really interesting debate, actually. And obviously this has come about with the result of Argyle's new grandstand plans. Uh, I think it's phase two of the development. There is some plans to incorporate safe terracing in the corners. Uh, is this something that, that you guys would like to see? Yeah, I mean, I, I quite like away games when you're in the crowd. You're most of the time you're standing anyway. Um, and I quite enjoy it. I, I, I miss seeing the terracing in the Mayflower end. And we spoke about this last week. It's almost ridiculous, really, that you get promoted to the championships, you have to stop the terracing, you get relegated, and you can't open it again. And I think it's a great way to get possibly more crowds in. I would like to see, I'm just looking forward to seeing the corners filled in, even when stage two happens. Um, but yeah, definitely something that I'm open to seeing at Home Park. Yeah, Barry, are you a fan of terracing? Would you like to see it return? Yes, yes, I think so. I think Jack makes a good point. I think, uh, especially a lot of away games, you see it that. You find an entire away following will be stood up for the, for the whole game, won't they? So I think anything that makes that safer for people, because I think it is a gripe for some people that people who are standing where it's all seating, you know, it can be a little bit unsteady, especially when a goal goes in. So anything that makes it safer and a bit more organised is, is a big plus point, and I think um, it just offers something a bit different, doesn't it, to our fans? So if there are those that do want to stand up, it's better to have the option and not have it sort of keep everybody happy in one area, as it were, for everyone to stand together, and there's mm-hmm. going to be fewer people getting upset about being sat behind people that want to want to stand for the whole match. And for big games as well, like James Brent pointed out, what would fit 2,000 people would fit 4,000 for standing. Yeah, for games like Liverpool, yeah. which I know doesn't happen every day, but you can get, to get more people in to witness a big event. Yeah, Chris? Yeah, I'm all in favour of safe standing. Um, I mean, I think, to the, think back to the games at the end of last season at Portsmouth and then Grimsby, where Argyle took big support for both games and everyone... They had seats, but basically everyone stood and watched the game. And, you know, 2,000 people stood in amongst all those seats. There's a potential for 
you know, injury, people falling over seats and backs of seats and things like that. So, no, I, I think safe standing is a good idea and all, all, all for it. And, of course, things have improved so much. Obviously, it came about, you know, obviously to stadiums as a result of the Hillsborough disaster. But technology's advanced so much now and it is being used on the continent with, uh, with you know, safe facts, I mean, really. Germany's used as a good example, yeah. isn't it, yeah. where they've really made it into a very successful thing, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the atmosphere there is. Yeah, it, is seems, it seems to help the atmosphere, doesn't it? It, yeah. it is fantastic. And, and some people like standing, uh, some people like sitting. And, you know, like I said, I, the Grimsby game, you know, at Blundell Park, you know, everyone pretty much had to stand because if they didn't stand, they couldn't see what was going on. And I just don't, in, in, in confined spaces where the seats, but everyone's standing, I, that, that isn't safe to my way of thinking. So, um, yeah, there's a demand for standing. So if you can incorporate it in this way, then, then it's a good thing. And it's not just a way game, is it? Behind the Devonport end, mm. often at the top of the stand, there's mm. people often jumping up and down. And I think if you've got two corners, we'll incorporate those people. I think that'll look fantastic. And as Baron and Chris said, it will help improve the atmosphere greatly. Yeah, obviously the, these plans to have safe standing in the corners is um, all part of the new development. You know, pretty much the rest of the, the stadium is seated i did put it to james would you consider taking seats out of perhaps the Devonport end and making that all terrace and he, he he said no because the seats were there but in the long term jack is that something that you could see happen at argot if they were to have safe standing in the terraces in the corner areas as well it'd be interesting i you'd have to see what the demand was for it i suppose I, i'm sure people would take it up or would i like to see standing everywhere i, I don't know i think as, as chris said some people like to sit some people well, I'm not saying everywhere, everywhere just no, behind no, no, the goal, yeah. you know, in the sort of stereotypical... The reason I don't sit at the Devonport end, because I love the atmosphere there, and I think it's fantastic, is I like to see the view from the side. So I quite like the idea of standing being at two corners, so you can see a better angle. I don't personally like being behind the goal. So, can I see it happen? I, I, I could see it happening, but I think a long way in the future. Yeah. Depends yeah. On, the, on the demand and then the interest, yeah. doesn't it? Um, and the cost of getting those, those seats out as yeah, well. Yeah, you know... Yeah you get a pretty good view from the back of the, the, the Devonport end and I know Pete that there's a section of fans that stand at the centre and they stand up and they, they, they seem fine and that, that works reasonably well I think but yeah I mean if there's lots of people wanting to, to do it then it's worth considering but um, yeah I'm not sh sure necessarily with taking out seats to put standing in I like the idea of the corners. That's I think would be the way to go, and then see how that see how that works. Yeah, of course we're jumping the gun. There's there's no guarantee that I'll go no. and get a safe standing no, anyway, no. is there? No. So, uh, no. uh, as I say, lots that James addressed last week on the podcast. Um, one thing he mentioned as well was the season ticket sales up forty two percent on last season. Chris, perhaps this is the biggest indication yet that people are really starting to see the progress the club is making both on and off the pitch. Yeah, it's encouraging, isn't it? And um, I, I understand that that's season ticket holders. It's not green uh, white members and things like that. That's people that have paid up in advance. Um, it shows good commitment on their part. Um, one of the reasons, one of the benefits that I think Argyle should and, and have to a degree push is that it guarantees you seats for all the games and, and cup games. And we just look back to the Liverpool FA Cup game and the huge interest that there was for that replay at home park. Um, if I was a fan, one of the main reasons I'd be buying a season ticket is that if I'll get another tie like that, which they may or may not, <coughs> who knows, but if suddenly you know Chelsea rock up at home park in the FA Cup third round next year, you're going to get a seat. And, and we, we see now with the Liverpool game that there is huge interest for big Premier League opposition games. So I think the people that have got their season tickets are probably quite wise. And um, But it's a good sign for Argyle. You know, they've got themselves promoted. You would, you would hope that people would uh, 
get on board and show their commitment with season tickets because that does benefit clubs. It keeps them going during the summer. Um, so, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's encouraging, as you say, another sign that things are, are going well off the pitch. Are you surprised by the percentage of the increase? I think, did James put a figure on it, Jack? I think it was about 4,400. 4, yeah, 4, 4, 4. yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a huge increase, isn't it? I mean, 42% is not to be scoffed at. Um, so I think you are right, it's a very, very clear indicator. The numbers don't lie. There's, there's clearly more and more interest in Argyle this season. More people are prepared to, to part with their hard-earned cash before the season even starts because they're banking on, the, on a good season and Derek. So it, it's absolutely a, a fantastic sign. And I think you know, a number like that is, is very significant. Yeah. Jack? Well, it's good to see. This is such a feel-good factor around the club at the moment. And you, you see things like the Liverpool game, like the Newport game when they won six one to get promotion, the Portsmouth away game. You know when they were when they were in that game, you saw the promotion parade. There's just so many. You see the potential, and that word's bounded about a lot. I, I know that's been bounded about for a very, very long time. But with with numbers like that, and figures like that, it's it's hugely encouraging. And you can see when James Brent came into the uh, came to do the podcast last week, he, he just had a huge smile on his face when he was talking about it. And, it's just nice to see. It's almost like a dark cloud's lifted over, and you can finally. We spoke about a few weeks ago. Draw a line under the the administration era, as it were, and it's sort of like the club is finally on the up again. And it's I just can't wait for the first home game of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna buy one next year, aren't you? Thinking about it, yeah. It's it's it's, it's you just you never know what's gonna happen with work, and you know I, I, that that's my that's my concern about buying one. But as Chris said, the Liverpool game it reminds you of the benefit of having a season mm-hmm. ticket. I think over the last few years, possibly people have. Never, never struggle to buy a ticket. I know it works out a bit cheaper in the long run, but if people want to, you know, get tickets as and when, and you sort of forgot the benefit that a season ticket can really have, and Liverpool's definitely put that at the forefront of people's minds going ahead to next year. And when you think of the problems that they were at the time of the t- of the ticket sales, well, there, and you know, it's maybe that was the reason exactly. why people have thought exactly. that I'm going to get a season ticket. Well, document what's on our website. I mean, those mm-hmm. the, the travails that people went through to try and get hold of tickets, both for the home and the away matches, and. Like I say, to, to know that you, you haven't got that stress of having to queue up and sort of judge what time you need to be there. Because, of course, people are queuing up and getting tickets and being told, excuse me, to come back the following day. I mean, it's just you've got to take time off work. Absolutely not, like though, isn't it? So, I mean, like Chris says, to, to, have, uh, to have a season to get there and to take the stress, stress <laughs> off and sit there with your feet up, <laughs> knowing you're going to have your own seat at that match. And, and also, um, if, you, if you have a big group of friends, because you can only buy a certain amount of tickets, and if you've got, if you're going to say, a group of five, six mates, yeah. You know you can go to enjoy that event together. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Obviously, you're away in the last couple of weeks, Chris, but um, I'm sure you've seen the the stadium redevelopment plans. Not the stadium, the the grandstand redevelopment plans. Uh, What do you make of them? There's there's some people, I should say, some Argyle fans that were slightly critical and saying that the club were penny-pinching, which... um, Things a little bit harsh, really, because they've got a, a set figure, haven't they? Yeah. James even came out and said to us last week that the club are even going to invest a little extra into yeah. the whole project. So you'd say it's penny pinching is uh, quite wide of the mark, I think. Well, they've got a budget, and the budget's the budget, sort of thing. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, Simon Hallett's come up with with and, and Jane Hallett have, have come up with the money to to pay for this project. Um, I know James Brent said to you guys, and he mentioned to me that you know if if there was more money available you know, they would spend more money, but that is the sum of money that's available. Um, is that penny pinching? Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, 4.1 million of it is, is a long-term loan. Um, but, you know, 5 million isn't in, an insignificant amount, is it? Um, is it going to do all the things that we'd all like to see? No, of course it isn't. You know, if, if somebody could spend 20, 30 million pounds on that grandstand and make it look absolutely fantastic, we'd all be delighted. But... We are where we are. There's five million pounds 
and a little bit extra on the table. You've got to spend that as best as they can, um, hence the, the two phases to it, you know, and they're gonna clearly try and uh, do the best they can with the grandstand. James Brent said that, you know, he thinks he's confident that everyone that sees the final end result will be pleased with it. Um, let's be honest, you know, the grandstand needs a makeover, you know, and whether you knock it down or start again, something has to be done with that grandstand. You can't carry on with it like that. So I look forward to seeing what it looks like. I think it will be, you know, from what I've seen, it will be, it'll be good. You know, how good it will be, we'll see when, when it's actually finished. There's potential for the corners to be filled in in the future. I would love to see that because, you know, a ground which is all linked up in one big uh, bowl always creates a, a good atmosphere and a good feel about the place. Um, like I say, I'm sure if there was more money available and, and what have you, it would be it would be even better. But I think in the circumstances, let's let's get the plans passed and get work started and, 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 and I think as James Brent would put it tart up the old lady <laughs> what, what I would say with the plans that we've seen all the images we've seen are, are kind of from the outside you know mm. and obviously a lot of this investment is going to you know because mm. they're planning on keeping the actual grandstand aren't, yeah. grandstand, aren't they so yeah. a lot of the work is going to be yeah. inside it which we haven't really seen yet no no there's going to be all the the, the, the hospitality areas the, the, the conference the banqueting um, new seating on the terracing and whatever. It's, it's, it, we've seen some plans. Um, other fans that have been around as long as I have, um, if not longer, will have seen lots of plans for stadiums and, and grandstands. And you know, I've lost count of how many different plans I've seen for Home Park. Um, let's just get the thing built. I'm sure it will look good, and then we can judge properly what we think of it when it comes around. Um, there's a danger of looking at plans and sort of jumping to conclusions. You know that that it's a plan on a piece of paper. Let's what actually see what it built look, looks like and take it from there. Well, and also what I'd say to fans that say the penny printing is just look at what happened five years ago. Would they rather the club overspend? Yeah. And then James Brent from the outside seems to imagine the club responsibly, seeing his budget, sticking to the budget. Would you rather they spent ten, fifteen million pounds and then what three, four years later we're in administration again and this time there is no one to save the club. He's doing things in the right way, in my opinion. Yeah. When you raised that phrase with him, penny-pinching, you raised it with him, didn't you? And he said, well, if, if spending £5 million pounds exactly, is penny-pinching, yeah. then yes, that's what we are doing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's £5 million, pounds, but for good And this level is coming, coming from, from two new... Simon Hallett and his wife, Jane, as Chris says. So what were you expecting from it? I mean, the, the, like Chris says, the money is what it is. They're going to make the best they can with the money they've got there. You've got to have some faith in it. I mean, it's not like they've, they've rushed this through. They've gone through a lot of avenues. James Brent's been incredibly patient with this and has not gone public until he was absolutely happy with it. They've gone through a lot of uh, consultation. There's been fans involved from mm. the absolute start. So there can't be any accusations of, of a lack of transparency or not listening to what the fans want. They've taken that in, into uh, consideration at, a, at an early stage. So wait and see what it looks like. But for five million pounds, you've got to be realistic in this day and age what yeah. that can get you. I mean, yeah. Like Chris says, you see some of these fantastic pictures before my time of what the vision was for, for, for the World Cup and stuff, and you can't get that for £5 million. Pounds. I mean, you've got, you've got to look realistically at what that kind of money can get you. And it's baby steps. You know, this isn't the be-all and end-all. This isn't going to be the final ever development of Home Park. In years to come, who knows where the, where the club might go? When they've got money, more money to play with, then we'll, there'll be some grander plans. But for now, I think it's going to be more than adequate for, for League One football. And even championship football, absolutely. You know, looking, looking at the next level ahead as well. Absolutely, absolutely, it's true. Yeah. Uh, I really sort of 
like the fact that James was uh, he, he was so open with his with his sort of plans for the club and uh, one of the questions we had one of the more light-hearted questions was uh, if he was given a million pounds what would he do with it and uh, James being James the businessman that he is <laughs> said that he'd invest it in the infrastructure you know a lot of fans do like to see more investment in the playing the squad but Chris in your opinion do, do Argyle have the right balance between investing in the infrastructure and, and putting some money into the first team squad? Well, the first team squad is, is clearly the most important thing. If the team's winning and doing well, then that will generate extra money, so that always helps a football club. Yeah. Since the administration, before the administration, and certainly since the administration, the infrastructure's taken a back seat. There's been very little money put into to Home Park, into Harpers Park, the training ground. And, you know, like any successful organisation or whatever, you do need to be to put some money back into the into the business, back into the product so you can grow going forwards and you know they spent a lot of money on the training ground for example and I think that's an important thing um, because one you know players need to be able to train on a good surface and not be able to you know there's been a case in recent years where they've just not been able to use Harpers Park in the winter just because it flooded um, but also the better facilities you've got the, the better that is to attract new players to the club um, I can't imagine too many players that would come down to Plymouth and see Harpers Park a couple of years ago would have thought, wow, this is a really impressive training ground, because it wasn't. Now, if you can start improving things like that, if you can improve the infrastructure of Home Park, you know, improve the um, offering to, to people uh, inside the grounds. Uh, the horseshoe is relatively new, but it's now 15 years old, and, you know, I've heard stories of drips and leaks and bits and pieces, Jack might know better than me sitting in the Lindhurst, but that all needs addressing. You know, um, the first team squad is the most important thing, but you cannot ignore an infrastructure at a club. You've got to maintenance and improve facilities and, and strive to be the best you possibly can. So it's finding that right balance, isn't it? And, um, you know, James Brent is certainly, you know, again, as a point that he made to you guys, that he he's a big believer in having in improving the infrastructure, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that. A ten year backlog, I think James referred to mm. it as Jack. Well, well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when when you're going through the tough times that I've been through, and you've got to pay certain things without fail. You know, things it's understandable why certain things do do um, do get into a list, and with some of the money they've made from Liverpool and and, and other such things, James again was very open in, in admitting that there are certain things that need to be looked at. As Chris said, there are there have been reports and there are leaks in certain parts that they want to fill. He said the, the, the roof of the grandstand needs to be looked at. There are so many different things that I think fans don't necessarily see mm. or, or think about or think there's a separate mm. pot of money going towards that and think everything should be pumped into the first team. Yes, of course that's true. But if you're sat underneath a chip on your head for, for 90 minutes every week, you're going to be unhappy and things like that need to be sorted no matter how boring it's like owning your own house isn't it yeah. you know you don't your house needs regular maintenance you know you might not want to spend that money you'd rather spend it on a nice new car or on a nice fancy holiday or whatever but there are times when you have to say well you know we've got to spend on doing improvements to the house and it's the same with a football club isn't it yeah. you, you you want to spend it on the players but there is stuff that you, the basics that you've got to do. But you're quite, um, but as well, James Brett mentioned, and you're quite right. The, 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 being able to attract players is, I think, the further up the leagues you go, when you're mm. competing against bigger teams with bigger facilities, Argyle will lose out in, unless mm. they can keep up. And that's what James Brent's trying to do. And he mentioned that in the podcast that he wants to be able to attract players, and that, that's the right thing to do. And it's other facets within the club as well. You know, if, if James is right in, in what he says, where there's a 10 year backlog, maybe the groundsman's still using the same, mm. you know, grass cutters as he was 10 years ago and things yeah. like that, and mm. wants a new. 
lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, and, and you add up examples like that. Throughout the, cost, the whole club. Throughout the whole exactly, club, and the cost yeah. soon goes up. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, indeed. Um, let's move on then. Transfers. Uh, James said to watch this space, and no sooner had we spoken to him than uh, Lionel Ainsworth signed last Monday. Baron, you've had a closer look at Lionel, mm. Lionel Ainsworth's career. What can you tell us about him? Apart from the fact he's a winger, yes, nippy winger, he's a bit of a nomad. <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's had uh, I think Argyle will be his 14th professional club. Um, he began his career at Derby County, ironically with a with a debut actually against Plymouth Argyle. That Chris may be able to remember the the, the match perhaps 2006 at Pride Park. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I'd have to check. Was that the game that Paul Watson missed the penalty? A very rare occasion, I remember. I'm not too aware of that one. I know yeah. Connolly was sent off. Was he? Yeah. And Adam Boulder scored. But okay. Yeah. I was there. He's, uh, it's a long time ago yes. now, though, Barry. Yeah, he's 29, so like you say, so he's, he's a winger. I believe he's got a decent turn of pace. Uh, the Motherwell fans, um, they were sort of quite gracious when he when he went on, on Twitter, sort of thanked him for his service, and um, were, were saying that on his day, unplayable, but, but very inconsistent. And, and as we've always said on the podcast, there is a reason that the players are playing at League One, League Two level, or in the SPL or the Championship in Scotland. So he's not going to be, you know. He's not going to be a world beater, is he? If he's um, if he's still playing at this level, but from what we understand, you know, on, on his good days, he could be you know an absolute match winner. Uh, we've we've talked about it ad nauseum about Derek's interest in Scottish football. He clearly watches a lot of it. He's got a lot of contacts up there, a lot of agency that he talks to. So he must be happy with with what he's seen from from Lionel Ainsworth, who's been doing very well at Motherwell. He's been there three or four years now, and that's the, the longest time he spent at the club. So his career looks like it may be settling down a little bit. I think he was very very happy up there. They made him an offer, um, and clearly the offer down here was better. So I don't know what that says about the money that Scotch could be offering or what Derek Adams can offer down here. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting the fact that he was in and out of the team last year, wasn't yeah, he? For he was used yeah, So substitute. it's interesting that he was offered a contract when yes. it wasn't the first team regular. Yeah, when you look at some of the quotes from uh, from the manager up there, um, like you say, he was odd that he was a bit of an impact player, a bit of a sub, scored one or two quite, quite important goals. Um, but, but they still wanted to keep him. Sort of, he sort of wasn't quite starting. Just bear in mind that Mark McGee, Mark McGee yeah. was a manager for a long time last season and then got replaced. So maybe different manager, you know, sees things slightly differently. Yeah, certainly. it seemed like both player and manager were making noises at the end of this season that they both wanted to make it happen. The manager was sort of admitting that finances may not allow it. So it may well be that they perhaps offered him a pay cut, which of course is you know, a big, big slap yeah. in the face of players and may, may well be why he still moved on despite getting the offer. So we'll wait and see. I mean, we've obviously got Jake Jervis who plays down the, down the right wing. Lionel Ainsworth seems like another out and out right winger. Uh, may well play on the left and cut in onto his right foot as Matty Kennedy did. Time will tell, of course. Yeah, we're all very excited to see the new signings when they when they do end up coming in. So we'll see. He may well be competition for Jake Jervis. As Derek said, sort of on a number of occasions last season, the reason they were so successful last season was because of that strength and depth that he managed to bring in with those new players. So. People competing for spots is, is always a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, Jack, first signing made. Are you happy with uh, that bit of business? Well, he very much fits the mould of signings that Derek Adams makes, players that are a bit inconsistent. And what, what encourages me from the players he signed previously is he seems to get the best out of players. Jake Jervis had never really settled down, he never really scored many goals. And I can't remember Chris exactly how many he scored in two years, 27 or something? 27. 27, 27 goals in two yeah. years. Yeah. You know, Jordan Slew, he has the habit of bringing in players that maybe aren't on the best form of their lives, who aren't the most consistently played. And he seems to get the best out of them. And that's hugely encouraging a sign and I, I think Derek Adams has earned enough to, for fans to give every sign yeah, a chance got a good uh, another thing James mentioned last week we put to him uh, the, the, the contract situation at Argyle obviously the, the policy before has always been to offer a one year contract with the addition of 
an extra year. But speaking to James last week, he said that there's a slight change in this policy this year, Chris, where uh, if Derek Adams wants a player on a two or three year contract, then the board would discuss it and are likely to give that to to yeah, and the higher you go up the football pyramid, I think you have to be prepared to do that. When you're in League Two, um, you know, it's not always easy for professional football players to get football clubs, and so I think the clubs can perhaps have a, a stronger hand on, on things and, and and offer maybe shorter contracts and, and uh, avoid any risk of signing somebody on a three year contract and then after six months wishing they hadn't done that. Mm. Um, the higher you go up, the better quality player you're looking for. You've got to offer people proper contracts, give them a bit of security. So I think that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying that you should offer three-year contracts to every player that you're looking to sign. Um, that's not that's not a, a wise policy at all. But I think there'll be one or two occasions where certainly two and, and maybe three-year contracts are, are, are merited. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's the way to go. Um, I, I think that's encouraging that they're... They're, they're looking to be a bit more flexible. And maybe that's the case with Graham Carey as well. You know, we don't know what his well, contract situation is, but if I'll go one a time down to the club, then maybe they're going to have to offer a, I mean, a three-year contract. We, we, we could we could record a, a podcast, a separate one, on Graham Carey and what's going to happen. The bottom line is no one really knows what's going to happen with Graham Carey. If, if, if it was down to me and I was at Argyle, I, I, would, I would offer him a three-year contract as a sign of um, of our commitment and um, and see where that uh, where that takes you. But um, yeah, three year contracts. The, 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 one of the reasons Argyle, you know, without going over old ground too much, is one of the reasons Argyle ended administration is they they had players on three or four year contracts which are quite expensive. They started dropping down the leagues. They couldn't move the players on, and they sort of had a, a very hefty wage bill. And so, again, it's finding that right yeah. balance. We were talking about it earlier where you reward players with longer contracts that have either done well for you or you have to offer them a long contract to get them to come in the first place. But equally, you don't want to go too far that way and then be stuck with players on two, three-year contracts when after six months of the year, it's obvious that it's not going to work out. Especially if they're from abroad and you don't know if they can settle and yeah, all that type it's, of thing. It's, which it's, is, it's, a, it's a juggling act. Yeah, it? indeed. But Kerry, of course, he's proven it. You know, He's been here two years and... And which is why, you know, if it was me, yeah, yeah, I would say, look, there's a three-year contract. You'd have to haggle that money as well. Um, but I think a three-year contract would send out a good signal that, you know, if you're Graham Carey, you think, well, this club must want me if they're offering me a three-year contract. And you know, But we'll, we'll find out about Carey in the next uh, couple of weeks, I would imagine. Yeah, I'd imagine so. So finally then, guys, um, as I say, that's the only signing that's been made so far. So to finish on a lighter note, where do you think Argyle need to strengthen most? And... Uh, Obviously, there's so many free agents available now. I think, Baron, you've got a list on the on the website. Haven't yeah, you? very so much. Yeah. It's an ongoing list. It's um, it's there's, there's, I think because more and more clubs have released them now. There's this there's, there's sort of fewer additions as there were. So the majority of um, players released from EFL clubs are already on there now. Um, obviously, a lot of them are now being snapped up on um, on new deals elsewhere. Like I, think, I was going to say, I think Matthew, <laughs> I've got half the EFL in the field now. <laughs> so, of the players that are out there, then, is there any particular players that have caught your eye? Um, I made the mistake when I came back from Croatia, uh, from from eight days away, of answering that question in the web chat, and I suggested uh, Paul Anderson, a former Liverpool uh, young winger, uh, and I was quickly corrected, wasn't I, Jack? Somebody got in touch quite quickly and sort of picked me up and said, uh, "You'll actually find he's already been signed up by uh, by Mansfield Town." <laughs> so he stood out for me. Um, uh, but then that's perhaps been addressed now with um, with the signing of Ainsworth. Very, very true. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I think any one or two more wide players, I think. Um, 
I would love to see some experienced, tough tackling midfielders going alongside David Fox. I don't have any names to mind, unfortunately, but I think that's a particular position I'd get quite excited about if they've got somebody in there to really shield Fox, because I think he could. He has got the technical quality to still do some damage in League One if he gets a bit of protection. Um, Nicky Maynard was, was a name that stood out to me right from the start, and he hasn't been signed up yet. He's 30 years old. He's got a very good track record, but he won't come cheap. So I don't know if that's a realistic one. I know you mentioned the word realistic. It may not be realistic, but I think if Nicky Maynard were to come in, he's got a track record to get people quite excited, I think. And you'd like to see Matty Kennedy back? Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's not go there. We, I think we all know that. that question. Jack? Well, yeah, I've scoured a few of uh, Barron's list, and there's a, a couple of players that stood out to me. Is one we've spoken about in the office quite a bit. It's Matt Green, oh, yeah. who's obviously I still don't believe he's signed up for a club. He scored 13 goals in Mansfield last season. Um, and still available on a free agent as a, as a free agent sorry so that would be interesting whether or not he would do a job in League League 1 who knows but the other player that stood out to me was Jay O'Shea he's an attacking midfielder um, if, Gra- if Graham Carey goes possibly he could be a, a good replacement he scored three goals in the last seven games on loan at Sheffield United last season from Chesterfield although looking a bit more into it he rejected a deal Sheffield United offered him a permanent contract he rejected that deal did they? whether or not that's because he doesn't feel like first in football who knows mm. again realistic who knows if it's realistic but some rumours that he's waiting to hear from Paul Cook about going to Wigan maybe former manager at Chesterfield so but he, he looks a good player and still going to want a free transfer there's still, still some very good players out there Absolutely, but it's yeah. also worth looking at Scotland isn't it I mean that's yeah, that's the obvious go-to place you can look at League One and League Two clubs but there's, I'm sure there are a few more people from Scotland will uh, arrive yeah, there's, there's not many Premier League clubs that have issued their retaining this no only six, or, so. only six or seven and obviously a lot of them are quite unrealistic as far as yeah. they're not true but then you get the youngsters that get released yeah, as well very true. So, uh, yeah very true Chris, have you been looking? I know you're not a fan of football managers, so perhaps it's uh, something that you don't tend to... You, you tend lose to me completely when it comes to football managers, Stu, you know that well. Um, I, I can only recommend Barron's list um, to anyone that's listening to the Thank podcast. You, because it, But no, but it's, it's interesting to see who's, is, who's yeah. out there and, and who might be realistic ones. Um, so, so take a look if you get a chance, because it is interesting to see who's available. I, I, just to slightly answer the question in a different way, I, I, I'm pretty convinced that that Derek Adams will sign a couple, maybe more players from from Europe, maybe Eastern Europe. Um, if you look at what he did at Ross County when they started going up the up the way, that was a, a route that he took. Some Dutch lads, maybe. And, you know, obviously Argyle going on tour to to Holland. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, and this is just a hunch, um, but you know, maybe somebody from Holland, maybe some you know, one or two sort of from. The East European market. You look at you know Bolvitis and and Sokolik last year. And I know Sokolik didn't come from East Europe. You know he came from South End, but you know East European background is what I mean. So I wouldn't be surprised he's if he, he's he's got he's got some good contacts and 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 sort of knowledge of of that part of the world. So I wouldn't be surprised if he signs somebody that we've never heard of before yeah. as a free agent. Maybe you know a Latvian, Lithuanian international or something a bit like along the mould of of a male spell Vita so um, that would be an area I'd perhaps keep an eye open for that would be interesting because you know going back to the contract situation then mm. the likelihood is they can have to offer a two maybe three year contract to, to get a foreigner in yeah no it's it's interesting I mean you know only one signing so far and I know one or two people have said oh you know didn't they need to get get a move on and things like that but you know you think about last summer I've only just issued the retain list at this mm. time of the year. So, you know, I'm sure there's lots going on in the background. I'm sure that maybe one or two deals are, are lined up or very close to being lined up and they'll get announced in, in due course. You know, we're, we're early June, you know. There's, there's so many players are away on holiday the, now, aren't they? Absolutely, so, yeah. you know, give it, give it a couple of weeks and I'm yeah. sure things will start to, 
ticking along quite nicely and uh, the podcast will be full of uh, discussions about the new signings. Indeed. Brilliant. Well, thanks ever so much for joining me on the podcast this week, guys. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back again same time next week, so be sure to join us then. Thanks a lot. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.